0: Ooh, Carmen, what you reading? I'll be hearing you on
1: that little podcast and stuff, girl. What's up, everyone? It's Carmen Wong, and you're tuned into episode four of What You Read in the podcast series. This is an episode I've been working on since the start of this series, and I'm proud to give it life. But I knew that I could not do this alone, so joined with me today virtually are some actresses and friends who understand language to be a powerful tool. Who negotiate the transformation of words from the page onto the stage and even onto the screens. Who understand the ways words live beyond our own existence. These folks bring words to life, so I knew when creating this podcast, I needed to do an episode featuring monologues. I knew I couldn't fully discuss literature or showcase it without being inclusive to people and cultures and traditions that practice words in its oral form. I am in no way an actress, but I am a playwright who believes in the magic of words and approach it, writing that is, at times as a metaphysical thing, and so I understand the power dynamics and the ways that words can live, not only onto the page, but also in our ears, in our faces, and there with us. I'm excited that these guests are here and they're able to insert their voices and their talents into our ongoing conversation that we've been having these past three episodes about literature and the vast ways we find ourselves called to it. Also, I cannot believe that we are one month into when we first aired our first episode, episode one. I want to thank every single person for their support. We've had about 13 guests join us so far, and I plan to have much more. I can't wait to explore more and more as we share our craft and open up the conversations about literature, about the ways that we talk and form language around it. So shout out to Sustainability. Please, everyone, make sure you follow us on Instagram if you aren't already, at What You Read in the Series. For more content, tag us. And stay tuned, stay locked into this episode. You won't want to miss this.
2: Hello, my name is Enzinga Lewis. I am a recent graduate of Howard University last year, 2019. I am currently a Los Angelian. I think I said that correctly. So I'm in Los Angeles now. Um, I am an actress. Uh, if you would like to follow me, my Instagram is Nzinga underscore seven. That's N-Z-I-N-G-H-A underscore seven and the piece i will be doing is um from august wilson's jitney and um, the character name is reyna no you brought a den for darnell that's what you did so you can sit down there and watch a football game What about, what about the kitchen? The bathroom? How many windows does it have in the bedroom? I mean, I mean is, it, is there some place for Jesse to play? How much closet space does it have? You, you can't just surprise me with the house, and I'm supposed to say, oh, Darnell. Oh, baby, that's nice. No, at one time, I would have. But I am not 17 no more. I have responsibilities. I need to know if there's a hookup for a washer and dryer because guess what? I got to wash Jesse's clothes. I need to know if it has a yard and, and, and do it have a fence and, and how far Jesse got to go to school. I ain't thinking about where to put no TV. That's not what's important to me. And you are supposed to know that Darnell. You are supposed to know that just like I'm supposed to know that about you. You see, I am not asking you to do this by yourself. I'm here with you. We in this together. House or no house. We still ain't got the food money. But if you had came and told me, if, if you had just shared that with me, I could have went to my mother. I could have got the $80 for the house and still had money for the food. You just, you just did it all wrong, Darnell. I mean, you did the right thing, but but you did it wrong.
0: <sighs> Scene. Hey everyone, my name is Ali Whitner. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and I graduated from Howard in 2018. Um, I've been living out in Los Angeles for about two years now and currently working at ICM Partners. It's a talent agency. And I've always just been really passionate about the entertainment industry, whether it's writing, producing, or performing. Uh, Right now, I'm currently working on the Untitled HBCU in LA series. It's pretty much going to be a YouTube series about Black millennials kind of just making their way and pursuing their dreams in Los Angeles. And you can follow me on social media. My Instagram is Allie, A L I dot Witner. That's W H I T N E R. And the piece I'm going to be doing today is called Obsessed. I'm not obsessed. It's one of my favorite ones. And it's written by Jaden Biltz from Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in high school. What are my interests? Well, My friends say I'm obsessed with celebrities. I just want to say to them, look, you little two-timing molded fruitcakes. I am not obsessed with celebrities. The truth is, I'm only in love with one. Theo James. I know his age, address, full name, where he lives, and where his entire family lives. I mean, we're basically married. (laughs) If you ever get to meet his family, you will love them. I'm sure I will. I plan on paying them a little visit. You know, just to ask them a few questions, like, where's the nearest hardware store? Oh, and if Theo has any cameras at his house. That is the basic questions you ask your husband's parents, right? Yeah, I know this flight to England costs a lot of money, but he is worth it. Anything for my hubby. I'm sure that he's gotten the hundreds of letters that I've sent. He's just a little too busy to write me back. Oh, I know he would be so excited to see me when he regains consciousness anyway. What's that? You're calling the flight attendant to call the police? Oh, don't worry, he totally knows I'm coming. I gave him a little call the other day. I guess he thought I was some obsessed teen off the street, but I am so not obsessed. What? You think I'm obsessed too? No, ma'am, I am in love. Anyway, here we are, I'm so excited. Wish me luck.
3: Hello, my name is Shayla Simpson. I am 24 years old. I live in Los Angeles, California, and today I'm going to be doing a monologue from Talking With. It's a play by Jane Martin, and the monologue that I'm actually doing is called French Fries. The reason why I chose to do this monologue is because um, the character in this monologue, she's a 60 to 70-year-old old woman. Uh, when I originally performed this monologue, I was completely dressed like an old woman with the hair and the makeup. And so I just wanted to take this opportunity to do this monologue because it's one of my favorites and because I typically wouldn't be able to audition with it because it's out of my age range. so. Again, this is going to be French Fries from the play Talking With by Jane Martin. If I had one wish in my life, why, I'd live in McDonald's right there in the restaurant instead of in this old place. I'd come up to the brow of the hill, bow down under my load, hurting, and I'd see that yellow horseshoe, sort of like part of a rainbow. And it gives my old spirit a lift. McDonald's. I've been sitting to McDonald's all day. I've done it, too. I'll walk that seven miles with the sun on its way. Sit on the curb from five to seven. I'm the first one there and the last one to leave. <laughs> Just like some old French Friday forgot. I like the young people working there. Like a team of fine young horses, all smiling. Tell you what I really like, though, is the plastic. God gave us plastic so there'll be no stains on his earth. <laughs> see, in the universe, things get all stained and scratched, tore up, faded down, loses it shot. All of us do in times. But see, God gave us plastic so that we know what the everlasting really was. If there's plastic, then there's surely eternity. <laughs> it's God's hint. You ever notice people when they come to the McDonald's? They just seem like they speed up, almost run the last few steps. You see, because it's safe in there, and it ain't safe outside. You know, i seen a man healed by a Big Mac. I have. Last summer it was, I was just sitting there, you know. McDonald's don't ever let you move on. You can sit forever. The only place in the world you can sit for 100 years and nobody will bother you. So, anyway, this fella, he come up in there, maybe 35, maybe 40, dressed real nice. He had on a bright tie, brand new baseball cap, nice white socks. And then, you know, he was just sitting there, you know, he had that disease. You know the one I'm talking about. Uh, um, I I think they call it cerebral walrus or something, cerebral porcelain, cerebral walrus, something like that. Anyway, so he got himself a cock leg. His body moved two speeds at the same time. Well, he sat with his coffee with the lid on, and Jimmy, the toehead cookie, come over and bring him a Big Mac. And the sick fella, he ate about half the Big Mac, and he was just sitting there, you know, suffering them tremors when a couple of ants come right out the burger. Now, you know McDonald's ain't got no ants. The Lord must have sent them ants. And so that man, he pitched himself up out of that chair, and he hit his head on the floor loud. It was like thwack, like a bowling ball dropping. It almost made you sick to hear it. Anyway, so we come running over there, but he was out cold. Them cute little serving kids ran on over and watered him up a bit and stuck a touch of pepper right up his nose and bang up he got, smiling and blinking. And so we look at him and we say, How are you? And he looked at us, he looked at us straight in the eyes and he said, I'm fine. He was, and that man was fine, but anyway, so he took his hat, and he berated out of there just like a poor grain poplar. He had no sign of that cerebral prosley. He'll buy a Big Mac. <laughs> you ever seen anybody die in McDonald's? No, sir. No way nobody has ever died in one. And burger kings all the time. Kentucky Fried Chicken got their own damn ambulances. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. ain't nobody ever died in the mcdonald's no matter how hard you try it's in the spices seals you in this life just like it seals in the flavor yes yes i asked my grandbaby gerald if i could live there see they close up around 10 and ain't a thing going on in there till 7 a.m i just sit in those nice swinging chairs and rest my head on those cool smooth tables Sing my myself a hymn and sleep like a baby. McDonald's. You can find me on social media at SayShayla. That's S-A-Y-C-H-A-Y-L-A on Instagram. Um, I don't really do Twitter. So I don't even remember what that handle is. But um, if you wanted to look up some of my work, uh, you can just Google my name on IMDb and you can find different links to my work. Um, So right now I have a series that I directed um, along with Cassidy Dixon. That's on YouTube. It's called Top 5. And also um, I acted and I assisted produce Taste of the Mecca. That's available on Instagram. You can just type in the Mecca TV. uh, Go to their like story, like their live stories, and then you'll be able to see all of the episodes. If you can't find it on there, you can also find it on YouTube. And we also have uh, bonus clips on OnlyFans. My production company is called Made by Women Productions. Uh, Its sole purpose is to have productions, whether it be short films, feature films, series, written, created, and produced by women. Um, so we've created one project so far that hasn't been released yet, but right now I'm working on a documentary. So I'm in my hometown, and the purpose of the documentary is to highlight Black business owners and entrepreneurs in my community. So right now, Richmond's going through this revolutionary change of um, gentrification. So in the same way that old abandoned buildings are now bars and and restaurants, the same thing is kind of happening in Richmond. And so with this documentary, I really want to inspire more people to work for themselves, be entrepreneurs, follow your passions. I believe that most people that decide to take that route, they go against the status quo can all follow my social media page from my production company. It's made by Women Productions on Instagram. And you can also find uh, links to everything on the Instagram site as well.
4: Hi, my name is Brittany Turner. I'm an actress, um, an activist, and an educator from Houston, Texas. Um, today, I will be performing a piece um, actually a speech by Fannie Lou Hamer. I've uh, included a poem leading into her speech. Um, Fannie Lou Hamer is a revolutionary woman who America tried to erase out of our history. And um, she is so powerful that I've decided um, to dedicate this piece of work to her. Welcome to 2020. and this time, we find ourselves reflecting, remembering just how great America is. Today, we are going to journey back in time to the great era of the 60s, a time where the white man ruled the South, the North, the East, and the West. (laughs) Oh, those times. A time when rules and regulations were imposed on society for the protection of the dominant class. A time where the white man could publicly show his ass. (laughs) A time that kind of reminds me of today. You know, with the current president. (laughs) Anywho, elections are coming up, guys. So let's reflect. Let's elect and choose to remember this adventure, this struggle that was lost in time of our our sister, our ancestor, who they tried to erase out our minds. Now it is time to rewind and define what great, means and his mind. Mr. Chairman and to the Credentials Committee, my name is Fannie Lou Hamer and I live at 626 East Lafayette Street, Ruleville, Mississippi, Sunflower County, the home of Senator Eastland and Senator Stennis. It was the 31st of August in 1962, that 18 of us traveled 26 miles to the county courthouse in Indonolia to try to register to become first class citizens. We was met in Indonola by policemen, highway patrolmen, and they only allowed two of us in to take the literacy test at a time. After we had taken this test and started back to Ruleville, we was held up by the city police and the state highway patrolman and carried back to Indonola where the bus driver was charged that day with driving a bus the wrong color. After we paid the fine among us, we continued on to Rouville, and Reverend Jeff Sonnet carried me four miles in the rural area where I had worked as a timekeeper and sharecropper for 18 years. I was met there by my children who told me the plantation owner was angry because I had gone down tried to register. After they told me, my husband came and said the plantation owner was raising cane because I had tried to register. And before he quit talking, the plantation owner came and said, Fannie Lou, do you know, did Pap tell you what I said? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I mean that. Said, if you don't go down and withdraw your registration, you will have to leave. Said, then if you go down and withdraw, said, you might still have to go because we're not ready for that in Mississippi. And I addressed him and told him and said, I didn't try to register for you. I tried to register for myself. I had to leave that same night. On the 10th of September, 1962, 16 bullets was fired into the house of Mr. and Mrs. Robert Tucker for me. That same night, two girls were shot in Ruleville, Mississippi, also, Mr. Joe McDonald's house was shot in. And June the 9th, 1963, I attended a voter registration workshop. Was returning back to Mississippi, 10 of us was traveling by the Continental Trailway bus. When we got to Winona, Mississippi, which is Montgomery County, four of the people got off to use the washroom and two of the people to use the restaurant. Two of the people wanted to use the washroom. The four people that had gone in to use the restaurant was ordered out. During this time, I was on the bus, but when I looked through the window and saw they had rushed out, I got off the bus to see what had happened. And one of the ladies said, It was a state highway patrolman and the chief of police ordered us out. I got back on the bus and one of the persons had used the washroom, got back on the bus too. As soon as I was seated on the bus, I saw when they began to get the five people in a highway patrolman's car. I stepped off the bus to see what was happening. And somebody screamed from the car that the five workers was in and said, get that one there. And when I went to get in the car, the man told me I was under arrest. He kicked me. I was carried to the county jail and put in the booking room. They left some of the people in the booking room and began to place us in s- cells. I, I was placed in a cell with a young woman called Miss Avesta Simpson. After I was placed in the cell, I began to hear the sounds of licks and screams. I could hear the sounds of licks and horrible screams, and I could hear somebody say, can you say yes, sir, nigger? Can you say yes, sir? And they would say other horrible names. She would say, yes, I can say yes, sir. So, well, say it. She said, I don't know you well enough. They beat her. I don't know how long. And after a while, she began to pray and ask God, to have mercy on those people. And it wasn't too long before three white men came to my cell. One of these white men was a state highway patrolman, and he asked me where I was from, and I told him, he said, we are going to check this. And they left my cell, and it wasn't too long before they came back. He said, oh, you are from Ruleville, all right. And he used a curse word. And he said, we are going to make you wish you were dead. I was carried out of that cell into another cell where they had two Negro prisoners. The state highway patrolman ordered the first Negro to take the Blackjack the first Negro prisoner ordered me by orders from the state highway patrolman for me to lay down on a bunk bed on my face. And I laid on my face and the first Negro began to beat me. And I was beat by the first Negro until he was exhausted. I was holding my hands behind my head at the time on my left side because I'd suffered from polio when I was six years old. After the first Negro had beat me until he was exhausted, the state highway patrolman ordered the second Negro to take the blackjack. The second Negro began to beat me and I began to work my feet and the state highway patrolman ordered the first Negro who had beat me to sit on my feet to keep me from working my feet. I began to scream and one white man got up again and began to beat me in my head and tell me to hush. One white man, my dress had worked up high. He walked over and pulled my dress I pulled my dress down and he pulled my dress back up. I was in jail when Medgar Evers was murdered. All of this on account of we want to register to become first class citizens. And if the Freedom Democratic Party is not seated now, I question America, is this the America the land of the free and the home of the brave where we have to sleep with our telephones off of the hooks because our lives be threatened daily because we want to live as decent human beings in America. Thank you.
1: always i want to thank every single person that participated in this episode for their time and their talent of course this is made during quarantine and so we've been inside and we've been communing from our screens over the airways to bring this to life. I thank you all so much for sharing in this conversation and furthering my own academic interest in the intersectionality between oral and written language. Please, please make sure that you follow them on Instagram and follow us at what you read in this series. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I could not do this without any of you.